Welcome to Liz Talks. I'm Liz, and I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and best-selling author of the book, Eat the Yolks. But here, I'm 0% professional and 100% mom, friend, question asker, verbal processor, and overanalyzer. I'm so glad you're here to talk it all out with me in this season of Liz Talks. Remember, this is a podcast about thoughts, feelings, and opinions, and I definitely do not give individual, personal, or medical advice. Happy podcast release day, friends. If you're here, it's probably because you're one of those folks who tries to be thoughtful about what you put in your body and what you put on your body. We can't be perfect all the time, right? But we can do our best. Well, have you thought about what your clothing, your base layers specifically, might be adding to your body's burden? The clothing we wear, especially tight, uncomfortable underwire bras, can actually have a physical, mechanical effect on our bodies, including the lymphatic system, which is a major player in our overall health and immune function. So my recommendation is ditch the restrictive underwire and bras and try a vibrant body bra, which is completely underwire free, certified clean, and fits your perfect shape instead of shaping you, aka forcing your body into its molded, rigid, restrictive cups. Go to realfoodliz.com slash vibrant, and you can use the code LIZ15, all caps, for 15% off a new bra, a set of underwear, or a shelfie tank. And if you're unsure what size bra you might need, book a virtual fitting with their master bra designer, Heidi. She is amazing, and I've learned so, so much from my bra fitting. Vibrant Body Company is not a sponsor of this show. They're an affiliate of mine, and I absolutely adore them. All right, quick Valentine's update. I actually want to have a quick chat about how I handle any non-Thanksgiving and non-Christmas holidays around here, because as I have observed how much I fall short when it comes to anything other than December and December adjacent holidays, I feel like maybe there are probably other people out there who are also feeling a slight twinge of shame or inadequacy over how little these other holidays factor in. So here's this if you need it. I suck at Valentine's Day. I suck at Halloween. I suck at even birthdays. I definitely suck at anniversaries and basically everything else in between. I do a pretty killer job at the 4th of July, but that's because my community does this whole golf cart parade thing, and we were blessed to inherit some massively obnoxious decorations from a neighbor who moved away, and even then, I basically just tell my husband to get it done the morning of, and I put on my red, white, and blue overalls and head out the door. Everything else? Not so good. Even Thanksgiving and Christmas, I don't I do not do much, honestly. I do decorate for Christmas just because it makes me happy. We do a tree, I do garlands and a few other things, but really it's more the meal and the day of stuff where we really make an effort as a family. But really, this isn't just about decorations. It's also about gifting and marking these occasions with stuff. I just don't do it. I don't make massive gift bags. I don't do Valentine's or Halloween or birthday crafts. I don't really go out of my way at all. I don't make like adorable Pinteresty Valentines for my kid to take to school. This year, I actually just unearthed some like old leftover Valentine cards and stapled some fruit snacks that were left over from soccer to them and sent the seven-year-old off to school with them. I'm just not that organized. I'm not that compelled to do anything major. And I'm sure I'm ruining my kids' sense of wonder. But do they really need a sense of wonder, like specifically centered around commercial holidays like Valentine's Day? I'm thinking no. 
And I'm also not sure that like a bag of candy, food dye, crafts, and plastic junk is going to accomplish said sense of wonder. I personally like to do my part to stimulate that sense of wonder by shoving my kids outside and hoping they find something to wonder about. So if you, like me, are just physically incapable of conceptualizing a large proportion of the conventionally accepted holidays as anything, any blip on the radar, just know that I am falling short and wet noodling with you. All right, I have a skincare update to share with you, and I've been testing this and pondering it over for quite some time. This one is a little different from what I usually share in that I actually do not fully understand the mechanism of action. That's in part because I know, well, I know how the main ingredient works, but I can't quite grip how that works for the skin. And it's in part because there's just not that much information available on it, except for the information being released by the skincare company itself. And that said, the information being released is actual scientific paper type information. So I think, I think I'm ready to start talking about it. Now, My skincare routine is very inconsistent right now. I am in a tired stage of life where I cannot muster motivation in every single aspect of my existence. So the motivation I have is applied to whatever needs it most in a given day. And sometimes, not often enough, that's parenting. Other times it's my training. Other times it's work. Right now I'm going through my certified personal trainer certification course. So that requires a lot. And now and then it goes to actually performing a skincare routine. And yes, not doing the whole shebang daily and nightly will indeed limit effectiveness, but this is my truth. This is the truth that I live in. For reasons of inconsistency though, I also just go for the products that pack the most punch. And while I used to do a little formulating myself using just pure active ingredients that I would put together myself and bases made of ingredients that I felt were safe, I don't currently spend much time on that either, with a few exceptions. So the ingredients I've focused on lately at this season, this literal weather season, because your skincare should shift with the weather, are, of course, the most hydrating ones, the most deeply reparative ones, and the ones that can really nurture my skin leading into the stress of summer. And one of those right now is methylene blue. So you might have heard of methylene blue by now. It's kind of the biohack du jour at this moment. And this is a compound that the Ray Peat types, not Ray Peat himself, but the Ray Peat types have been talking about for a long time. I think I first heard of it some like 15 years ago. And thanks to all the biohacker types right now, and let's be honest, biohacking is like the most profitable industry to be in in the wellness world because there's always something new to buy and try. So methylene blue right now is much more widely available. So it's been around since the 1800s, and it's been used as an antifungal, an antiviral, antibacterial, and it's still actually in use in some formats in modern medicine. Now, some of what methylene blue does in the body is similar to red light. It optimizes mitochondrial function, which is basically the energy driver of the cell. So when our bodies are producing energy efficiently, so many other things will align health-wise. And this is something the Ray Pete crowd, and by the way, Ray Pete passed away recently in his 80s, and it is such a loss because he was just one of the extraordinary thinkers of our time. Not just extraordinary technicians. Like, we love to idolize people who can do cool things, 
but the actual thinkers of our time. And given all the distractions of the modern world, there simply aren't that many thinkers left. So anyway, in order to optimize mitochondrial function, which is another way of saying it just makes your cells work better, it works through upregulating cytochrome C oxidase, which is an enzyme that's also upregulated by red light. And methylene blue is also really a nootropic, which is how I've used it internally in the past. There are contraindications to methylene blue. You can take too much. It can interact with certain things. So you've got to be really informed before you go there. And that's just beyond the scope of this particular podcast. Now, of course, I started to wonder a few years ago whether methylene blue could have these kinds of optimizing effects on the skin applied topically. But the dilemma was methylene blue is blue. But I'm thinking, gosh, if cells are working better, they're also healing and regenerating better, right? And in my searching, I found this company called Blue Lean, which is a skincare company started by a PhD scientist that utilizes methylene blue. Now, again, I still don't get fully how this product is formulated at the proper doses or at the proper concentrations without turning the skin blue. Again, I mentioned that methylene blue is not just like blue dye, it is blue dye. But I've looked at the literature suggesting that methylene blue not only outperforms retinol, but that it may actually outperform retinol by a lot. And I know many folks are not wanting to use retinol. So all of these things are sort of working together and inspiring me to talk about it at least a little bit today. So all that taken into account, plus the fact that I don't like to be the last to talk about something, plus the fact that I really do like the products and consider them, based on the literature and personal experience, a really strong addition to my skincare routine I wanted to share with you. I don't have a discount code right now. I inquired about one, although, so if I'm able to grab one, it'll be Real Food Liz. So try that just in case, all caps and all lowercase, see what happens. But to check out these products, go to bluelean.com slash real food. So I'll spell that for you. Blue Lean is B-L-U-E-L-E-N-E. Okay, so blue lean, B-L-U-E-L-E-N-E dot com slash real food. So combine that with a red light mask like the one from Omnilux, so like a few days each week, and you should see some really great results. So I'm currently using the Blue Lean Serum alongside that placental extract cream that I've talked about. And I also have the Blue Lean Night Cream that I'll use as well, depending on how my skin is feeling. And of course, I use a couple other products that maybe I'll get into in future episodes. Okay, next topic. Welcome to the officially official post-Super Bowl post-golf tournament weekend in review segment of the show. (laughs) If you didn't listen to last week's episode, my husband and I were at the Super Bowl. Yes, in Phoenix, which was lovely for the weekend. The weather was incredible. So for those who are not football fans, and let me be honest, I like the Kansas City Chiefs because they're my hometown team, but I love the fall and tailgating and the other things associated with football even more. So for those who are not football fans... The Kansas City Chiefs played the Philadelphia Eagles for the Lombardi Trophy, and the Chiefs won. It was kind of an interesting thing because we were living outside of Philadelphia right around the time that the Philadelphia coach, or the former Philadelphia coach, Andy Reid, ended up getting fired and picked up by the Chiefs. So we used to watch Chiefs games in Philadelphia at this bar called Big Charlie's. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, I know there are a lot of big feelings about that win with like the holding call at the end of the game, but overall, it was a really great game. 
And we were able to go in very upgraded fashion since my brother-in-law has worked for the Chiefs for many years. So we got to grab tickets at a very reduced price. We were allowed to get tickets on the Chiefs organization charter flight. And we also got passes to the parties that the organization hosted, the pregame party and the postgame party at the Super Bowl. And it was definitely like a pinch me kind of situation. We were also so lucky that a friend of ours who's a PGA Tour golfer him and his wife left us passes to the other huge event that takes place in Phoenix, the Waste Management Open. So shout out to our friends. Love them to pieces for leaving us those passes. It was amazing. So the Waste Management Open is a PGA tournament sponsored by, you guessed it, Waste Management, which is, you guessed it, a waste management company. So there were a lot of places to put your trash and recycling, as you would imagine. So let me go over some impressions from the weekend, as promised on my Instagram. Some a little lighter and some much more serious. So sort of buckle up here and stick with me. So first up, the golf tournament. It was an absolute just crush of humanity. It was insanely crowded, fun, sensory overload, just people watching galore. And I was actually really happy that there was a USO there that we were able to enter since we're a military family. And I was able to make my world there a little bit smaller and sort of just perch at the USO and watch all the happenings on and around the 18th hole from there. So what I was watching in particular was fashion, hashtag fashion at the golf tournament. And I was absolutely speechless. Or actually, I was the reverse of speechless. I had a lot to say, actually, about the fashion that I witnessed. Now, I was told this particular golf tournament is referred to as the People's Tournament because apparently it's not like a normal, refined, polite golf tournament. It is apparently a rowdy, booze-soaked, co-ed-friendly golf tournament with an entirely different clientele than most others. So the place was flooded with a lot of interesting people, and the people watching was thusly extremely riveting. So apparently Arizona State University is right there, and the place was just soaked with college kids. Now, before I go further, please note, I'm about to make some serious generalizations, and I'm probably going to offend people, so please take all this lightly, in good humor, and with a grain of salt. I'm also going to mostly talk about the women I observed, the women's fashion that I observed, and that is because I am a woman myself, and I don't find men's fashion that interesting, so it was just not what was on my radar. So, okay, the largest and most pronounced categories I identified were, first, the sorority influencers, sorority slash influencers, or sorority influencers. And I can say that because I was in a sorority, and I am apparently an influencer. And number two, the clubwear kids. This was the weirdest thing to see at a golf tournament when you're expecting just a lot of polos and lily, is it Pulitzer or Pulitzer? I don't know. So the sorority influencers ran in packs of three to five. They were all wearing baby doll dresses. I have zero idea how they keep their butts from showing in a light breeze. Maybe they don't. And white sneakers with the really thick white soles, like those Skechers sneakers that we wore in the early 2000s. And they were all, of course, taking a million pictures. And they don't just take pictures. They pose. There's like the leg forward with the toe pointed. There's the head side tilt, there's the head back tilt, there's the smize. Often it's not a full smile, it's a smize. And all of those poses are being done in a group format while someone, to me it appeared to be the boyfriend usually, there was always just one. And the women 
cycled through these poses while the boyfriend took like 20 pictures. And then they all assemble around the phone that took the photos. They decide if they've gotten a good one. And if not, they line up again to repeat the process. It is a whole, it's a whole thing. And in watching the photo, look at photo, photo, look at photo thing, I actually decided that I do not want to be that person. I do not want to have to look at every photo immediately after taking it. So the rest of the weekend, any photo I was in, I did not do an immediate review. I just decided, well, if it's not good, it's not good. And oh, well. For some reason, I found it very distasteful to be that person who, I felt like a poser. I felt like I was trying to be 22. I don't want to be that person who would immediately have to approve or disapprove a photo. And I'll tell you, it was actually kind of freeing. I actually highly recommend it. Okay, so this other category was very, very different. But I will say that the one commonality between these two categories was the eyelash extensions. I swear to you, no, not just one thing. It was eyelash, eyelash extensions and lip filler. And I'm sure other filler as well. But even the really young girls seemed to have not just eyelash extensions, but also lip filler. It was very interesting. Okay, so category number two, the clubwear kids. And I don't know any other way to describe it. I'm sort of lumping a few other categories under this umbrella too, including the see-through lingerie kids, by the way. There were literally people walking around in see-through clothing. Like, see everything through clothing. Absolutely wild. And I tried not to make assumptions about these folks, but it was hard. And in part because... Look, wear whatever you want. Everyone should wear whatever they want, right? Whatever they feel good in. But to the degree that, well, public nudity is illegal, which it is, I assume, in in Phoenix, and to the degree that attempting to be as close to nude as possible was occurring, what I noticed was the actual experience of wearing small swatches of polyester, like as small, low-cut, high-cut, like minimally cut as possible, it looked extraordinarily uncomfortable and inconvenient. So for reference, I wore jeans, sneakers, and a tank top with a jacket. I did not tug or pull or have to readjust a single thing the entire day. But I witnessed so much adjusting of this club wear more so than like the baby doll dresses, but so much adjusting. I could not even wrap my head around it. Everywhere, everywhere my eyes scanned, there was somebody adjusting a breast, adjusting a nipple, thongs and wedgies being adjusted, clothing adjusted. It was wild. It was like a montage of just adjusting poorly fitted, uncomfortable, too small, impossible to wear clothing. I mean, there were like bandeau tops that were barely hanging on. Polyester, anything and everything. Maybe not polyester, but synthetic, anything and everything platform four inch heels. It reminded me of everything besides the prom dresses that used to be at that store Deb at the mall. And I just cannot imagine the discomfort and the preoccupation, especially if I was a little tipsy, which pretty much everybody was keeping track of all of that flesh and the minimal fabric I'm trying to use to cover it. I would just be a disaster, a complete disaster. So again, the people watching was absolute gold. I tried not to make assumptions. I tried to just make observations. And I really do hope everybody had fun and everybody's clothing stayed on to the degree they wished for it to stay on. Now, okay, before I transition to the Super Bowl, I want to talk about a common thread between the two events, and that was alcohol. There was an insane amount of alcohol being consumed and a ton of just straight up like public drunkenness. 
Now, I drink occasionally, and in the past, I've talked about alcohol and how it has basically no redeeming value, no physiological benefits, none, other than simply having fun in the moment. And I actually did not really drink over the weekend. I didn't drink at the golf tournament at all. I had one spicy Paloma at dinner on Saturday. It was mostly ice. One mimosa at the Super Bowl pre-party and one signature cocktail at the Chiefs organization after party while I waited for a Paul Rudd sighting. So if you don't know, Paul Rudd grew up in Kansas City and went to an adjacent high school, the same high school as Jason Sudeikis, a.k.a. Ted Lasso, by the way. So I had three drinks over the course of four days and probably the most alcohol-heavy events in the United States. Part of that was because I didn't want to feel like crap on a travel day. Part of it is because I really, 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 really hate public bathrooms. So I did sort of that riding of the edge of dehydration the whole weekend, somewhat intentionally, I'll be honest. But what I saw in this just crush of humanity was just the reality of sort of sanctioned alcohol abuse. And it was scary. I saw a dad with his kid, probably seven years old, vomiting into a trash bag repeatedly. I saw people stumbling. I saw sloppiness and sadness. And it really just made me appreciate the fact that the extremes of alcohol use are very real. very, And on top of that, very socially accepted and very problematic. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that information and this is the worst possible word to use here, but I mean no pun. I'm not being flippant. It was very sobering. So I do think I'd like to have an expert on my other podcast, the Balanced Bites podcast, to talk more about the realities of alcohol and alcohol use. So if anyone has a suggestion of who that person might be, please do reach out. All right, on to the Super Bowl update recap. It was really fun. A crew of all-female pilots did the flyover, We were taken to and from the Super Bowl on Chiefs organization buses, so it felt really safe in transit. Our seats were way up there, but perfect for seeing the entire field. I really enjoyed Babyface's rendition of America the Beautiful, and Chris Stapleton really rocked the national anthem. And we got to see pregnant Rihanna perform, which was, well, to me it was underwhelming because I'm more of like a James Taylor, Eric Church, like outdoor summer concert type of person. But seeing the stage get set up was actually really interesting. When you watch on TV, you think it must be this massive production, and it is. But really, it was just like a huge crew of people setting up a stage in segments that compared to the overall square footage of the stadium itself was actually quite small. And I think the camera angles and the overall production geared toward folks watching at home makes the whole thing look way bigger than it is, as if it like fills the entire stadium. But the fact that I got to have the experience was just so cool. Once in a lifetime thing. And this is where I take it to a serious place. And I do this with some trepidation. I need to request that everyone give me grace here because I'm going to bungle this. I just am. I will make people mad and I will probably make people on all sides mad, either because I'm saying too much or because I'm not saying enough. I'm going to talk about something that's really, really heated. And that, unfortunately, is very political, even though I don't think this is political at all. Right now, in this time we're living in, everything becomes left or right. Everything becomes pro or anti. We literally can't have conversations about important things anymore because we are so divided into camps. We're so busy being divided that we literally miss out on really important conversations. We're not even willing to engage. We completely refuse to see other perspectives because whatever side we're entrenched in actually defines what we think or are supposed to think for us before we even gather any information. It's, it's sad. 
So what I want to talk about with that in mind is something that Chiefs fans do, that my team's fans do, that I wish would go away. It's not going to go away, but it absolutely should go away. Now, this thing I'm going to talk about has to be viewed in the light of, if not racism, at the very least, cultural appropriation. Or maybe not appropriation, maybe cultural dehumanization, cultural cartooning. Now, I'm not going to have this complete conversation here because one, it's just me, so I'm not actually having a conversation. And two, because I don't want to lose your ears. So even if this thing I'm going to talk about is not racist, it is at the very minimum simply not thoughtful. And for that reason alone, it's gross. So here we go. Clearly, the chief's organization name has been called to issue, but I'm not even going to talk about that. What I've been told is that the chief's organization has spoken with local tribes and they have affirmed their choice of name. It's not for me to say what the opinions of the local tribes should or should not be. So I'm not going there right now. And obviously I wasn't present for those conversations. What I am most concerned with is what I think is a more concerning manifestation of the issues at hand. And it's a thing that Chiefs fans do, practically the only thing they do. And it's called the tomahawk chop, which is this arm motion combined with these sounds that are derivative of what we might think of as like Native American, I don't know, songs or sounds. I really don't know how to describe it, but it's something I and many others are deeply uncomfortable with. And frankly, I find it disgusting in part because I see the people doing it and I know they are not in any way concerned with the cultural implications of it. We, and I have many times in the past at Chiefs games, participated in this chant literally without thinking. And that is the problem. It is not done thoughtfully. It is done, I I don't think it could be done thoughtfully. I think if we were being thoughtful, we wouldn't do it. But this thing is done at best thoughtlessly and uncreatively, and at worst, with this unearned sense of ownership. Like, I could do what I want. I roll around any deeper conversation around it which may not be overtly racist, but there are certainly undertones there. And this is an even more difficult conversation to have now because anything in this remote area of discussion is immediately either labeled or dismissed as like uh, uh, woke, right? And there's this whole war over that right now, which is just insane. So it's just, it's an issue on so many levels. So I personally do not, and for many years have not participated in the tomahawk chop, and that's not virtue signaling. That's just a fact. I don't do it. And here's where this conversation really, really turned on a light bulb for me. In noticing what the Eagles fans had, this whole they had this whole fight song that was really fun, like detailed, and at one point they spell Eagles, and it really sounded sort of old school, 60s, and they did it every time the Eagles scored. I just thought to myself, we need that. The Chiefs need to get more creative, and not just the Chiefs, the Chiefs fans need to get more creative, because at the very least, the tomahawk chop is uncreative in its appropriating. It was this disorganized thing the fans did whenever the mood struck, in contrast to this very organized, fun, creative song the Eagles fans did, like accompanied by the Eagles band. We just need to do better, in my opinion. And again, I'm not an authority, I'm an observer, and this has been turned over for many teams. The Washington Commanders, their former name was stripped away and rightly so ironically because of pressure from sponsors like money money talks right 
The Atlanta Braves actually have had a tomahawk chop too. I don't know the status of that. To me, it just doesn't feel like honoring a culture. It feels like creating a caricature and pretending thoughtlessly that we own it and that it doesn't matter. Even if these conversations with the the tribes and the tribal representatives have occurred, I can guarantee that 99% of the people tomahawk chopping are not thinking about them or those conversations as they do it. So I hope we can do better. I love the chiefs. I want to learn more. I want to understand this better. And, you know, I've said before that just because something can be written, something can be argued, something can be conversated about doesn't mean it should. This is not one of those things. This is something with cultural, social underpinnings that is an important conversation to have. And I really, really hope this moves forward. The best I can imagine is that the thing just dies out because I do notice there are quite a few people that don't do it. And I can only imagine that they don't do it because they feel sort of the same way I do. So I hope that it just kind of slowly dies out for that reason. I just don't see it happening. All right. So how many people did I tick off just now? Uh, Again, please give me mountains of grace here. I'm trying to approach this in a way that doesn't cause immediate shutdown, like a flood of assumptions and a digging in of heels on either side. Now, all in all, it was a fun, interesting, exciting, thought-provoking weekend. I feel mostly caught up on sleep, and I'm just so grateful for awesome friends and family that I was able to connect with over the weekend. And thanks for being interested in the whole thing. I'm excited. Excited to have been able to talk about it. All right. On that note, that's it for episode 59 of Liz Talks. A big thank you to my affiliates and to you for making this episode possible. Be sure to check me out at the new Balanced Bites podcast as well. We talk nutrition, fitness, and life over there also with a little bit more of a interview-focused, expert-focused slant. So it's a lot of fun as well. We're a little bit more casual over here, but both, both are necessary. There's a place for both. Remember, you can ask me anything by sending me a DM at Real Food Liz on Instagram, but the best way to ask is to go to realfoodliz.com slash askliz. That way, your questions, comments, concerns don't get lost in my inbox. I appreciate you. I'll see you next week. 